What does leadership mean to you? Do you see yourself as a leader? One thing that I found in my years of volunteering in community organizations, serving on nonprofit boards, and in various work environments is that many of us, especially women, don't see ourselves as leaders. Maybe it was the way that we were raised to be helpers, to work behind the scenes, and to stay away from the spotlight. Maybe we have this idea that a leader is someone who stands behind a podium and gives speeches. Or maybe we equate leading with being bossy. But I'm here to tell you that it's very, very likely that others are looking to you for leadership. Whether that's at work, in the business community, in your family, church, or elsewhere. And that your version of leadership doesn't have to look like everyone else's. And don't just take it from me. Today's guest works specifically with women to help them define their unique impact and cultivate the skills necessary to level up wherever they choose to lead. Hey friends, and welcome to episode 71 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire women seeking better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Gornick, and I am thrilled to introduce you to my friend, Leanne Moss. So let me tell you about Leanne. Leanne Moss is a career coach, speaker, and founder of TWC Training, a coaching and training company that works with mission-driven individuals to up-level their leadership skills. Leveraging a strong career background in the legal field, Leanne works with leaders across the country on becoming assertive communicators to accelerate their success. In working one-on-one with clients from across the country, she creates custom strategies for their success while sharing her tips and tricks on the most pressing issues facing the workforce today, such as achieving the ever-elusive work-life balance, maximizing your personal strengths, and effectively advocating for yourself. Leanne is also the creator of Direct Your Day, a guide to helping women stay on task each day of the week. She currently lives in New Orleans, Louisiana, and when not working or sidelined by COVID, you can find her on a plane heading off to explore a new destination, hanging out with her favorite friends and family, or having a spontaneous solo dance party. In today's conversation with Leanne, she shares Why working in the legal field looks almost nothing like what you see on TV. She talks about the importance of cultivating soft skills regardless of your job title. She tells us how to deal when your day job doesn't align with your values. And she gives some actionable strategies for how to pursue your unique impact, even if you're feeling unfulfilled at work. Seriously, this conversation has some aha moments waiting for you. And I know you've got a lot on your plate, and you might be listening to this episode while running errands, folding laundry, or getting dressed, and you're not exactly able to jot down notes easily when you hear one of those aha moments you want to remember. But don't worry, I've taken notes so you don't have to. You can find all the productivity tools and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 71. And finally, you know, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click that subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. 
You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Leanne, welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited that we are finally making this interview happen today. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited too. It's been a long time coming, but I'm glad we can get it done today. Yes, yes, for sure. So Leanne and I actually tried to connect several months ago for an interview and had every single technical difficulty in the world. And now we are back and we are making it happen. So Leanne, before we hit record, I told the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, official bio style. But as always, I would love to hear in your own words how you spend your time these days. Yeah. Um, so for sure, um, probably the number one thing that defines my time right now is my nine to five job, um, which is working as a legal support staff, um, for two very busy attorneys. Um, so I've spent about 11 years now in the legal field and that takes up a lot of time. Um, it's not like what you see on legal dramas on TV, Um, sometimes it's a little crazier, but that takes up most of my day-to-day time. Um, and then I also spend time volunteering, um, and then I actually know each other through junior league and what else do I do? Um, no, that's a silly question. (laughs) Sometimes I have to ask myself, but also on the side, I do work with women leaders who are looking to up-level their leadership skills in their career. So I do a lot of work with those women on transforming their soft skills, Um, Mm. communication, collaboration, those types of things that really move the needle, so to speak, in terms of standing out in your career and getting into those leadership positions where you can make a lot of difference. So that's something that I'm super passionate about and really is where most of my time I would like to be spent. I love it. I love it. So you mentioned that things don't always appear or things aren't always in the legal field the way that they appear on TV. So what would be one of the biggest misconceptions? (laughs) There's so many. Um, I don't know if anyone watched The Good Wife or Anna, if you did, but I used to, okay, I love The Good Wife, but like a lot of legal dramas, like Uh what you see play out in a 45 minute episode, (laughs) Is so accelerated, and I guarantee you everyone would die of a heart attack if things moved that quickly in real life. Because they move pretty pretty standard now, and it's still sometimes very, very panic-inducing. But yeah, things definitely, um, there's a lot of maneuvering that happens, obviously, outside of courtroom. A lot of attorneys don't even like being in a courtroom. And that's usually like the the summit of an experience, but there's a, I mean, there's a lot of just monotonous things that anyone else would do in their day. There's a lot of emailing. There's a lot of phone calls. That is how a lot of litigation gets um, resolved or sometimes escalates. So a lot of the stuff that you see like on a TV show is not, not at all what's happening. Um, But a lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff is really what drives the case forward. Um, and so it that takes- would be a really boring TV show <laughs> if, it, if it showed what it really was like. It oh, it'd like. be so boring. It would be, um, you know, just people emailing or the same thing you would find in any sort other sort of situation. Like, you know, is this, this is a passive-aggressive email directed towards me. Like, how do I respond? So it's very boring, but it's also really rewarding and has been Mm -hmm. incredibly eye-opening as I've spent the last 10 years um, Mm -hmm. working with lawyers (laughs) because you really get an inside look into how people who get paid goo gobs of money and (laughs) have a lot of money on the line and some of these more complex litigation matters, how they deal with 
their time and how they spend their time and how they prioritize. And so it's really been a firsthand look at all of that. Ooh, that's, that is fascinating. You know, I actually, I thought that I wanted to go to law school myself. I think I, right. I know. And I think I completed 11 law school applications and then didn't turn a single one in. Um, Definitely took the LSAT, did that whole, like all that jazz. And it makes me wonder how many people end up in the legal profession based on what they see on TV or this idea that it's going to be like legally blonde. (laughs) Right. I think a lot of people probably pursue a passion for justice or fighting for the underdog. And those things are all well and good. Um, And you can definitely find that work in some pockets of the law. But a lot of what drives our legal system now, and sorry for those of you, this is not a legal podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But a lot of what drives our legal system now is really, you know, just just the day-to-day standard things. It's motion practice and it's, you know, writing and drafting and um, document review. And so it's things that are not by any means sexy or, you know, you're not going to, no one's going to nominate you to the Supreme Court because you did a great job at document review. But um, (laughs) those are the things that, you know, really make up the bulk of the profession. And I got to say that those are the things that take the most time. so it's really, it's, it's been rewarding to see kind of how people manage those more monotonous, less sexy aspects of the law and how they communicate with each other is also probably a different story for a different podcast, but it's really entertaining. So if you want to go to law school, I'm not here to discourage you. I'm <laughs> saying I didn't because it's, it's not the good wife. Yeah. Surprise. I'm going to ask you a million questions about the legal profession. Right. I know. We got into it. It's cool. Yeah. Surprise. Um, But, you know, it's interesting that you kind of capped that off by saying that it's very eye-opening in how people communicate. So that's actually something that you work with women leaders on through your coaching work is soft skills like communication, collaboration, the things that they don't teach at school, you know. Right from high school to college, graduate school, postgraduate, whatever, we're kind of on our own when it comes to things like time management and how to effectively communicate. So I'd love to hear a little bit more just about soft skills in general, just because like, I know that this is a thing that we all know about, but what exactly are soft skills? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So soft skills, again, are Um, I think fly under the radar so much because I know my generation as a millennial, we were taught to focus a lot on like hard skills and, you know, like I'm going to go and get my CPA certificate, you know, like I'm going to go do accounting or get this degree in business. And we're focusing, we focused a lot on the hard skills because those would, we thought those would translate into jobs. Um, and they will for sure. But also like a lot of people in my generation as a millennial, I don't want just a job that I will have for the next 30 or 40 years until I can possibly retire. I can um, get the gold watch because that's right, still like, um, it is 25 years. You can get a piece of jewelry or something, but seriously, um, you know, I, I am looking for a career that's filled with purpose and how I can make my impact and how I can really define that. And so over the last few years, the conversation about jobs has specifically turned a little bit more towards soft skills and what makes for great team building. How do you retain talent that's not just, you know, able to do the job, but to do it well? So soft skills are really about our long-term behaviors So that is, you know, sort of communication, persuasion, creativity, adaptability, which I think is a big one that we've probably seen over the last few months, especially with the pandemic. Like, we're seeing the effects of those soft skills and how they can make or break a company um, in productivity. But we're seeing a lot more conversation about that, which I'm really glad that we are because that really is key to, I feel like a lot of the time management crises that I see, I've seen, and then I've, you know, worked with my clients on is that, um, 
really the solution is often just, we're just one semi-uncomfortable conversation away from getting to a solution about how you spend your time, whether that's, you know, wanting to change your priorities or set better boundaries. It's often one hard conversation away from doing that. Hmm. You know, it reminds me of advice that I was given by someone years ago, just to go to work, put my head down, work hard, do the job, go home. And that's the way to get recognized. And that's the way to move up. I know. Isn't it cringeworthy? (laughs) Listening to it. it. It really is. It really is. And how long I bought into that notion in some of my early positions. I mean, hindsight is definitely 2020, but man, what outdated advice is that? For sure. Because I think, and again, this kind of goes back to the workplace transforming in general, but I think that um, generations before us really had that same idea of like, listen, you get in with a good company or you get a good state job and you essentially do your time, um, you know, which kind of equates your your career to like this prison sentence, which is, again, terrifying. And then at the end of that, like you said, we'll come out with like a nice piece of jewelry or you get a watch or something like that. And then you get to retire. Right. And for me, I mean, just like I think most millennials, that to me sounds terrible Mm-hmm. Um, because we saw a lot of the effects of that were, you know, older adults who didn't have, you know, fulfilling careers and, or who had bigger regrets, um, or had all of these plans, um, for after they retired. But like, I mean, like myself, I don't necessarily want to wait until I'm retired to go travel the world. Like I want both and, which does make me a millennial, maybe entitled, some might say, but I also just think that we can do both. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have to prioritize our career at the expense of everything else. And so I think that's one of the myths that we definitely have recognized as a society as we, you know, the workforce starts to turn over and you have some people retiring. But I also think that it's it's kind of a tough mindset shift for a lot of us yeah. because we're still so conditioned to believe that if we just go to work and put our head down um, and people please, you know, 30, 35, 40 years on, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of have to break that up. And the best way to do that is with soft skills. I mean, I've seen a ton of women who are anxious to take that next step in their career, but they just don't know um, or they're not comfortable with asking you know, for the opportunity or, um, they have put their head down for so long and just done their work that like, they don't really have any allies in the workplace or anybody Mm. who knows the talent that they can bring to the table. Um, so really it's about putting yourself out there. It's about, um, talking to other people. It's about having those tough conversations to get you to that next level. Yeah. Yeah. And, Tough conversations are super fun to avoid, right? They are. If I had a dollar for every tough conversation I avoided, I could be retired right now. (laughs) And then you could start living your life, right? Right. But they don't pay you for that. No, very true. So you are, so you spend your days working in the legal profession, supporting attorneys, and you also spend your time volunteering and you're also a coach that helps train women leaders on these soft skills so that they can reach the next level in their career. You know, I've got to ask, how do you do it? How do you do it? Let us in. What are the tools, strategies? How do you make all the things happen without losing your head? So I think the first thing I'll say about that, that sometimes I feel like does not come across is that I don't do it all at once. I am a big fan of blocking my time. And I know that's something that you've talked about on this podcast. And for me, it's about setting those days where I know I can get things accomplished and accomplished to the full potential they need to be accomplished. So for example, obviously I'm at work every day because I have, you know, a nine to five, five days a week. But then after that, 
um, and really sometimes before that, it's about, okay, where do I have these pockets of time, right? And looking at, you know, can I wake up at 6 a.m.? Can I get in maybe an hour and a half of work um, before I go to my other work? Or, hey, I've got this, you know, meeting and the, the evening on a Tuesday, and that is time that's always not going to be touched by anything else because I've got this meeting on Tuesday for basically every Tuesday for the rest of my life. So it's really about keeping a calendar for me and um, also about building in time that I don't do anything. (laughs) And that I think is the most underrated exercise that anyone can do because people will be quick to fill up space on your calendar, but it's harder to fill up that space when you've already blocked it off for yourself. So I know in looking at my calendar over the past couple of weeks and getting out of the um, holiday kind of blur, I intentionally blocked off time in my calendar last week, um, which was the week we came back from the holidays, the first week of January, and just said, I'm blocking out this time because I know I'm going to need kind of a ramp up to get back to the hustle and bustle of January, whatever that looks like in a pandemic world. So I intentionally blocked off time in my calendar. And when the time came for us to set up meetings, I said, oh, I'm sorry, this time is already blocked off. And didn't think twice about it because (laughs) the person, you know, on the other end doesn't need to know, you know, hey, I blocked this time off for myself necessarily. The person just needs to know that you're not available. Um, You're not available for that meeting. You're not available for that phone call. You're not available for that dinner or what have you. Um, And you can build in time just for yourself or, Hey, I'm, you know, I've got a spin class today or I'm doing boxing or I have a date with myself to read this book. Um, Mm -hmm. That to me has been so beneficial in maintaining my energy level so that I can then do what I need to do to make myself as effective as possible in the other roles I fulfill. So if I get my time in the morning to just like read a book, then I'm a little bit more recharged and replenished when it gets to seven o'clock and I've got this meeting on Tuesday night. Like I've, I've had my time. So keeping that calendar is probably (laughs) the best thing that I know the best way to help contain it all into Mm -hmm. a way that's manageable for me. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at annadcornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. 
You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, I love that you are advocating for blocking out time for yourself, time that no one else needs to know what it's for, because rest and recharge is just as important as the work. Right. Because the rest, the recharge, the time to yourself, it's, you know, it's important on its own, but it supports the work. I'm reading a book right now called Peak Performance that I was a little reluctant to pick up in the first place. It's probably been sitting on my shelf for about two years. I got it for signing up for some program several years ago, just thinking it was going to be about, you know, hustle hard and, you know, work nonstop, whatever, peak performance. But instead, probably 50 to 60% of what I've read so far has been focused on rest and sleeping. Absolutely. I think that when we come from a place where we're 100% or 99%, what have you, recharged, we can do so much more. And it's hard to break the cycle of, you know, I have this laundry list of things to do on top of my other, like, laundry to do. So, right. um, you know, like, how, how can I fit all this in? I just have to keep going and going and going. And sometimes all you need is that, you know, that reset, like, I know people have said, like, when your computer starts acting up, the best thing to do is, like, restart it and try it again. Well, that's the same thing with us. Like, we need to have that built-in time to recharge and reboot and refresh and do what we need to, like, be centered Mm -hmm. and then go off and do all of the things. Um, It also puts that into perspective of, like, okay, where do I need help, right? Like, we don't have to do everything by ourselves. And actually, you ask how I do it. I don't do everything by myself. I definitely delegate some things or outsource things that, to me, are a waste of time, a waste of my time. So, it, you know, it works like any other. So it definitely is not just me. Uh, I know I'm a single woman. I don't have kids. So it's, it is just me. <laughs> but at the same time... You know, for for people who are juggling a lot of things, I think we have this understanding of like, okay, I have to do all of this when really we do not have to do all of it. Right. Um, I read this great thing, of course, on Instagram the other day, but it was, you know, we were saying like we thought about work as like you work forty hours a week and you come home to like this clean house and dinner on the stove and all these things, and that was really designed for or I guess I should say a product of the society where women did not work. Women Mm -hmm. were in the home and it was, you know, it was a two income household and, you know, you had, I guess, the structure to be able to do all of these things. And that might be true for a lot of society now, but it's also very untrue for about half of society right now. Um, Because you've got more people who are single, more people who are, working full-time, you know, outside of the home or inside of the home, you know, depending on what part of the pandemic you're in. But, right, you know, you've, there are different responsibilities that we have now as adults. And so that standard of coming home to this, like, home-cooked meal and a fully clean house, you know. And and somebody's got to cook a home-cooked meal and right. clean the house. <laughs> right. Like, and so we beat ourselves up and, like, feel so guilty about, you know, Oh, I'm not doing this. My house is a mess. But like, I, again, I have to like reconcile that with, hey, I'm just one person and I do a lot to maximize, you know, my time throughout the day. But I, I still, that still doesn't mean I have to spend every waking moment being productive. Right. And so to the extent that I can outsource things, um, I definitely outsource different things with my clients. I do my best to outsource different things at work. Um which can be, I think, tough as a people pleaser and as someone who prides themselves as doing a good job and like being a strong person in their career. Um, but it's also kind of what has helped get me to the next level and what has helped people to be able to see me as a self-starter and someone who can excel in leadership positions. So I think for me, that kind of thinking of like, I don't have to do it all. I can build in time for rest and that will make me a better 
employee, that will make me a better CEO, that will make me a better person, um, has really helped advance that practice because I know when I'm feeling refreshed and restored, I do my best work when I feel I have the energy to do it. And so that's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned the feelings of guilt and the feelings of people pleasing. I'm, I know that that's something that a lot of us struggle with as women. Like you said a few moments ago, that it's easy to fall into this trap of believing that if we don't do it, if we don't do everything, then it doesn't count. If we don't do all of the things, then it means that we're not showing up as a good employee or a good wife or a good mom. And that outsourcing is like cheating or delegating is like cheating in a way. You know, what advice would you have for someone who is struggling with that guilt in wanting to do all of the things, but is on the verge of burnout because it's just not sustainable? That's a great question um, because I think burnout is very, as a society, as we've gotten more, more, I guess, aware of what burnout looks like, we are still um, very much spiraling towards it at all times. And so I think for me, the biggest um, piece of advice I would have is that you literally cannot do everything. (laughs) And that is something that I've had to struggle with firsthand. Um, I think one of the things, and I know you have a lot of listeners who are type A or just like really, really talented people who um, get the job done. And for me, as someone who has always been like that, mostly because of people pleasing, someone once told me that like, I am the most flattered when someone asked me to do something. And it's true. Like I'll, ne- I'll almost never turn down um, someone if they ask me to do something because I'm so good at it. Like that's my weak spot, right? Is oh, I really thought of you because you're so great and you're so flattered in those moments, right? Right. Um, it's hard to say no. Right. It's like oh, but you thought of me. That's so great. I don't want to let you down. And really, in those types of, of situations, there's a, a two part process. Is that one? We have to evaluate. Am I really the best person for this? Um, and two, do I have time to do this? Or how can I make time, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could say yes to that and add it onto your list of things to do and then end up doing a mediocre job. Or you could say no to that or recommend somebody else, right? One of my favorite things that I see, especially leaders do, is to say, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me, but I won't be able to fit that in. Instead, here's so-and-so, you should really reach out to her to see if she can help you because she would do just as good of a job and is perfectly capable of fulfilling this need for you. And giving that opportunity to somebody else and delegating to somebody else, that is how leaders are made (laughs) by giving opportunities to other people, other people to shine. And I, I think that's something that we don't often consider when we, especially in a nine to five work workplace, or even as a business owner, it's hard to, to justify delegating because uh, you're like, it's just me. And if I'm not doing it, like it feels kind of cringy at first, but really I think it's about providing other opportunities for other people to shine. Um, I know some of my best bosses have been able to give me an opportunity to showcase my talents in a way that I hadn't before. Um, And that's what people respond to. That's how people do move up in um, leadership and in their jobs. That's how people advance. And I've seen a lot of unfortunate burnout when bosses or anyone just like fail to delegate or fail to say, hey, you know what? I actually am not going to be able to handle this. Can we ask so-and-so? And it just leads to a really bad situation And then six months down the line, you know, you're possibly getting passed over for promotion and you think, what did I do? Well, you took on too much. Um, And now not only are you burnt out, but you're also missing out on the opportunities that you could have had if you had delegated a little bit better. So I would say for sure, pass the baton to someone else. You do not always have to be carrying it. 
I love that. Pass the baton to someone else. And you know, Leanne, that really takes having a solid understanding of what your personal strengths and core values are in order to know when and how and what to delegate. Because if you yeah. don't know your if you don't know yourself and if you don't really have a firm understanding of your core values and your strengths and your vision for your career, then it then it makes you want to keep everything close to the right. rest because you almost feel desperate because anything could turn into something. You have, you know, mentioned throughout our conversation how important impact and purpose are to your career and the work that you do, not just at your nine to five or your coaching business, but in your volunteer work as well. And I know that this is resonating with people who are listening. You know, we are largely a generation of people who want to make an impact and to live with purpose. You know, can you share a little bit of your perspective as a coach for female leaders? Um, you know, why is it so important that we define who we are and what our impact is? That's a great question. Um, I think the reason it's so important that we define it for ourselves is that if we don't, other people will then start to define it for us, right? So as we are thinking about what our values are, one, I think people will assume what we value based on what we do, right? And so I think if you're the kind of person who is always staying late or always able to help um, or constantly, I guess, being the first one to, to pipe up in a conversation, like people will see that. People will just automatically assume those values and assign them to you, right? Without you even saying a word. And I think what's so important is not only that we get clear on our values, but also that we communicate them in a way that makes other people notice them. Um, and sometimes that literally means stating like, hey, I value my free time, so I'm going to leave work at five o'clock <laughs> um, and having those conversations with your bosses. Sometimes that, you know, that looks like, hey, I value my free time, so I'm not available for communication after, you know, nine o'clock at night, which for some industries might sound insane, but for, for others, right, we know that there are a ton of, like, nighttime, my boss might be sending an email at 1030, and I feel pressured to respond, and so I think for a lot of people, it's about communicating what that looks like for you and then mm -hmm. being sure that the person understands it. You know, sometimes that even looks like a change in industries because there truly are some industries, some positions. You know, I come from the crisis communications, governmental affairs world where you are expected to be available 24-7 holidays, weekends, nonstop. And there is no amount of, I, I say there's no amount, maybe in some situations for some people there is, but from my perspective, that was, that was the job. And sometimes it takes getting clear with, you know, what really is most important to you and realizing that what you have signed up for does not align with who you truly are and having to plot your exit strategy. Right. Which is something I think that's super common um, and still even more common than we we imagine it to be is that there are also going to be times where you have you do have to plan that exit strategy, right? That you have to say this opportunity for whatever it affords me also hinders me from really being in alignment with what I want my life to look like. And so taking a step to walk away from that. So I've actually left a job before that... Um, without anything lined up, which I 100% would not recommend, but I don't know. Um, I'd recommend it. It's a very sink or swim moment. It is a very sink or swim moment. And luckily for me, it turned out great. Um, you know, but it definitely just was not in alignment with what I wanted my life to look like. And I 
cringed, cringed at the thought of continuing on that path. And so even though I did not have a backup plan, which again, goes against almost everything I believe in, <laughs> um, you know, I decided to, to make the leap and just said, you know what, this is really not where I want to be going. Um, not really want how I want to be spending my time and resigned. And I cannot tell you the level of relief I felt <laughs> that very night, because even though I was like, I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. I have no idea. There was still this like absolute sense of relief that I was not going to be living out of alignment with my values anymore. And those, those things are going to happen, right? Like as much as you communicate your values and your boundaries, there are still going to be people who don't understand or don't respect those boundaries. And so sometimes the conversation is going to have to be not just, hey, I really value this and I would love for you to be a success partner with me in that. But it's going to have to be, hey, we tried this and it's not working. So this relationship is going to have to come to a close. <laughs> Yeah. And those are those are uncomfortable conversations to have, but in the end, I think for so many of the women I work with, and for myself personally, there is greater value in finding a way to be impactful um, that really is truly aligned and in sync with your values than just grabbing a paycheck yeah. and hoping for the best after yeah. hours. So here's a question. So. Let's say that someone is listening right now and their wheels are turning and they're realizing that, yeah, like how they spend their day-to-day right now, whether it's in their business or in their nine-to-five, that it is not in alignment, that it just doesn't jive with their core values or what matters most to them, but they need time to put together that exit strategy or to figure out what's next so that they can, you know, safely move on to whatever the next thing is. So what can we do outside of work in order to fulfill that purpose or to have that impact? I think there's a ton of things um, that are probably available but one, one thing I know for sure is that not every passion has to be profitable. <laughs> so I would encourage that person to really look at what lights them up, what makes them feel fulfilled, what makes them feel impactful in a positive way, and to see about pursuing that in some sort of non-paid capacity. Um, whether that's a volunteer opportunity or um, even if it's an, you know, some sort of an internship on the side, I've had clients do that where they said, you know, Hey, this, this isn't cutting it, but I want to get this experience. You know, how can I position myself in a way that, that allows me to get that experience? Yeah. That's um, good. Sometimes you're going to have to be a beginner, right? Like yeah. you might have to start all over and it's up to you to really when you're, you know, 35, 38, 40, the sure. thought, all of the, what's the economic terms, sunk cost you've put into right. plus in a career that just isn't fulfilling. It's like, well, should I ride this out until I'm 60 or should we switch gears? Right. I think, and that's where I think that kind of that pivot is a perfect segue into doing the work that fulfills you because maybe you are in a job that is not in alignment with what you want to be doing, but you have an opportunity and, you know, this volunteer position to do exactly what you want to be doing. Maybe that's what buys you enough time or what motivates you to stick it, you know, out a little bit longer at your job so that you can, you know, eventually switch gears and move into that different industry, right? Like, I think that we often think about, and again, this goes back to hard skills and soft skills. Like we think about, okay, this is a new industry. I don't have any experience. You might not, but there's a, there are ways that you can get that experience, you know, volunteer positions, internships, there are ways that you can get those hard skills and then bring the soft skills that you need 
that collaboration, those, you know, the things that really make or break somebody's career experience sometimes that can position you to move into a new role. Doesn't mean it's going to be super simple or super lucrative or um, this like sexy title, but it does mean that you are one step closer to living a life that is filled with purpose and that's impactful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that. It's not always going to be an easy road to to getting back to who you are and living with purpose. So let's rewind for a second and let's take it back to 20-year-old Leanne. 20-year-old Leanne ready to, you know, embark on the world and get started in her career with everything that you know now. Hard skills, soft skills, collaboration, persuasion, living with purpose. What advice would you have for your 20-year-old self? I guess the best way to say it would be to to not self-reject. Because I think for probably too long in the early parts of my career, I would take myself out of the running for opportunities that I thought um, might not be suited for me or I was not suited for, rather. Um, And that doesn't mean that everybody can or should do everything. But I think that a lot of times we take ourselves out of the equation before we really have a full understanding of what we can bring to the table or what that position or opportunity is going to require of us. And so I would probably encourage my 20-year-old self to not self-reject and to, to really do I think a more thorough job of exploring the opportunities that are presented to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think, you know, when I was 20, <laughs> there were a lot of things that like people wanted to push on me. Right. Like that was definitely a time where I had not defined my values or like what was important to me and how it was important to make an impact. And so I think that's what I would, definitely tell myself is to like just give my myself a chance to explore all the opportunities that are coming to me. I love it. Advice to 20-year-old Leanne, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. And go after the opportunities. Explore them. It reminds me of that stat about how um a man will apply for a job if he feels that he is qualified for some or most of the job description, but a woman will often only apply if she believes that she is competent, proficient at all of them. All of them. (laughs) Right. It's a 100%. And I think the funny thing is that now, you know, 10 years later in my career, I like, I can see that like, wow, there were a lot of things that I just rejected and took myself out of that category that I totally could have kicked butt at. Um, I'm keeping this peachy for the recording. But, (laughs) um, you know, there are a ton of things that I really, you know, I think, wow, that that would have been a great opportunity and I wish I would have taken it. Um, But I took myself out of the running. And then there were some other things that, you know, people recommended that I like seriously considered and spent time on and then just looked at and like, what am I doing with this? (laughs) Like, this is not where I want to be. So again, definitely wish I would have not self-rejected and gone for the gold, but there's still time. I think that's the beauty of especially living in this, I mean... (laughs) We are lucky to be alive right now in so many ways. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, man, this is a challenging time in American society. But I also think that specifically, like, with the workplace, there are so many opportunities available to us that we can change gears and switch gears probably way more easily than we could before. So, Yeah, yeah Absolutely. So many more opportunities that just never existed for previous generations. Well, Leanne, you're definitely kicking butt now. And I'm so grateful for you 
and so thankful that you gave your time to It's About Time today and shared your story and really, you know, gave us some really good things to think about when it comes to living with impact and working with purpose. So how can we keep in touch with you moving forward? You can find me on all of the socials at Elmarie Moss, <laughs> literally all of them. Um, and my, you can check out my website, which is elmariemoss.com. So that's me. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link up all of that in the show notes so you can stay in touch with Leanne, uh, learn a little bit more about how she serves others through coaching and helping you know women leaders make their impact with their core values and their strengths. So Leanne, thank you again so much for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Anna. All right. And there you have it. So how will you cultivate your soft skills, define your impact, and level up your leadership? What's one thing you will do in the next week to move yourself just one step closer to living a life with purpose? You can find links to stay in touch with Leanne, as well as links to continue the conversation inside the It's About Time podcast community by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 71. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 72, is all about one of the key ingredients to achieving peak performance, both physically and mentally. Something that's been studied in depth by scientists, academics, Olympic coaches, and more. And it's probably not what you think it is. Spoiler alert, it's rest. All right, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.